Welcome to Be Bold America. I'm your host, Jill Cody. Be Bold America is a live bi-weekly talk show for those who are motivated to step out with the bold actions necessary to reunite this country, fight for democracy, and learn what they can keep doing, stop doing, and start doing to reclaim our democratic republic. Our future depends on it. Our program today is Suing Fox News. To begin, I wanted to share with you some little-known facts about Fox News. And if you want to know more about Roger Ailes and Fox News, I recommend you read Gabe Sherman's well-researched book, The Loudest Voice in the Room, How the Brilliant, Bombastic Roger Ailes Built Fox News and Divided a Country. His book was also made into a limited series on Showtime starring Russell Crowe. Maybe you saw it. Before Roger Ailes created Fox News, he had proposed a similar TV station concept to President Richard Nixon. In 1968, Roger Ailes sent a two-page confidential report to Nixon on how the White House could use television as a conservative propaganda tool, and it contained 16 possible strategies to shape public opinion and how TV could be a potent weapon for division. Ailes knew that conflict was intrinsically more interesting than consensus. As Gabe Sherman's book explains, Roger Ailes treated journalism as politics, just another market to monetize. In other words, conflict sells. Conflict makes money. Sherman said that Ailes realized viewers didn't want TV to tell them what happened. They wanted TV to tell them how to think about what happened. As Roger Ailes said himself regarding Fox News, and I quote, we have no obligation to tell the viewer anything not to our advantage. Advantage? What advantage is he talking about? We have big things to do. Arthur West grew up in Madison, Wisconsin in the 1960s. Since then, he's lived in Japan, Germany, Ethiopia, Escondido, and even in Santa Cruz. For the last 25 years, he's lived in Olympia, Washington, and has litigated numerous cases against large organizations, including Intel, Weyerhaeuser, the ports of Seattle, Tacoma, and Olympia. Mr. West is a member of the nonprofit Washington League for Increased Transparency and Ethics, also called Washlight. Mr. West is an attorney who has over a dozen published opinions in open government and environmental law. Welcome to the Be Bold America, Mr. West. It is an honor to speak with you. Good afternoon. It's, I'm very happy to be here on your show. We're very happy that you're here. Just to dive right in, Arthur, what is Washlight and how did the nonprofit decide to sue Fox News? Well, Washlight is a nonprofit corporation that Four of us formed about three years ago to, to conduct public interest litigation. Uh, most We were mostly concerned with open public meetings, uh, campaign practices, suits, um, things like that. So 
the, the four of us got together and figured we should have this organization because it would be a good way to pool our resources and um, an organization in court is afforded a little more latitude than an individual, and it's harder to smear an organization than it is of any particular individual, which is a tactic that's often used by large corporations or powerful interests. And so how did you decide to sue Fox News? Um, well, actually, um, most of us were just, you know, dealing with the... the the beginnings of the pandemic, and and I got a call from my friend Matt down in Centralia, who, and we started talking, and he told me about all the crazy stuff that was on Fox News, and I started doing some research, and then I realized that a lot of the stuff that I'd been hearing second and third hand was actually Fox News propaganda. And um, the more I looked into it, the more objectionable it became. Like, I don't usually spend a lot of time watching news on TV, but um, it looked to me like Fox News wasn't really a news source so much as it was a propaganda machine. And it was being used not to inform people, but to uh, cram a party line, you know, a partisan party line down, down into people's consciousness that was very difficult to uninstall. Um, one of our members, Dave Koenig, contracted COVID-19. Oh, and that, and that was one of the things that, that uh, sort of precipitated us to thinking that maybe we should do something. Um, then we did some research into the um, state's Consumer Protection Act, which which in Washington we have a very broad consumer protection act with that has the was adopted with the intent of protecting the people from all forms uh, all forms of deceptive and unfair practices in the course of commerce uh we talked to some specialist attorneys uh and and they said that it was a arguable case and so we got um Liz Halleck our our, our friend and associate from uh um, Yakima to uh, to um, research and we wrote the suit up and filed it on I think April second was the date that we filed it and it uh, just coincided with the letter of of journalists condemning Fox News for endangering people with their reporting so it was a, a timely filing I would add one more thing I'm not an attorney oh I'm sorry. Okay, uh, but, my mistake. Um, but uh, Liz Halleck was our original attorney after we uh, after we got the case filed. Another attorney who was uh, from Seattle um, called us and wanted to wanted to be involved, and so that's how we we got Catherine Clark, who has been doing the the work in the trial court and now on appeal. Mm. Well, you know. One of the articles I read about the suit, well, first of all, before I start that, tell us where the suit is now. You had a hearing on May uh, 21st? Yes, we had a hearing on May 21st in front of the Honorable Judge McDonald in the Superior Court of King County. And uh, the 
court heard oral argument um, and then issued about a week later issued a memorandum opinion um, dismissing the case. Um, we're uh, um, in the process of uh, filing an appeal. Our attorney's office up in Seattle is right by Amazon, so she's had some difficulty getting back and forth to her office just last week. Mm. Well, and, you know, it's The stuff that's been going on in the last 10 days is just so flabbergasting. You know, it's it's amazing to see what has happened every week is another thing. You know, I couldn't believe two weeks ago we'd be in the state of this country would be where it is right now. I don't think any of us could ever have seen this. It really is um, dramatic. And um, I know that it was dismissed on... um, May 21st, but I found that interesting since another article I read said that it was a feisty judge and uh, wasn't really supporting Fox News's position either. So uh, you must have felt pretty disappointed when you got that decision. Well, I've been in a lot of cases and, you know, I have a lot of respect for the process and I have a lot of respect for Judge McDonald and he he issued a memorandum opinion, but to a certain extent, it really doesn't matter what a trial court judge rules. As long as you can make your record in the trial court uh, sufficiently to be able to appeal the decision, the only thing that gets published are appellate court rulings. So every case law or you've ever read uh, started out with somebody losing in the trial court and filing an appeal. Mm. So... Um, it's just another winning and losing. Uh, it's just another another part of the game. If you can't take winning or losing as easily as you take winning, then uh, you probably shouldn't be involved in court process. <laughs> um, well, then your next step is um, filing this appeal. Then, yeah, we need we have within thirty days of the final order in the trial court. Under in our state's rules, you have to file a notice of appeal, and there's a process for getting transcripts, designating the record, and then uh, filing an appeal brief, all of which takes months. So being to, uh, middle of June now, or um, first week, second week of June, um, our original brief will probably be due oh, sometime around the end of August. Then theirs would be September. Uh, then we get a reply uh, that would put it in. So maybe it will be heard. Um, it'd be surprising if it would if it's heard before the end of the year. But who knows what what how can happen in cases like this? So you're um, you mentioned earlier that you're using the basis of uh, consumer uh, protection laws. Are you still using that in your appeal? Yeah, the um, the cause of action that we settled on was the Consumer Protection Act because it's our, our we claim that Fox is engaged in commerce in that their their sale of cable content is a commercial activity you know that they derive money from it that they're not publishers themselves they're content providers and that the um, Washington state law has a very liberal Consumer Protection Act that's been, been extensively used and is broadly interpreted. So 
we thought that using a state law was was especially appropriate, and that also keeps the case within the state courts, which we thought was a a, a good strategy to use. Ah, so um, things would be due in August then, and and we'll know more in September, or at least the, another um, hearing will be in September. The it all depends. Like it, the, the the schedule can be accelerated. We might move forward more quickly and ask for accelerated review. But um, the legal process grinds very slowly, and it, especially now with restrictions, the appellate courts have been moving extremely slowly. Like there are cases that were perfected four to six months ago that haven't even been set for hearing yet. So. Um, I'd be surprised if anything happens before September, and it could be until next year before there's an actual hearing in the Court of Appeals. Well, I guess, as you said, that uh, you have to be prepared to lose, um, and I guess you also have to have be prepared to be patient, <laughs> because it does take a long time. In any conflict, you need to be very patient and deliberate, and that's one of the things that perhaps people don't realize is that to make any type of lasting change, it not only involves quick actions, but it also involves prolonged and patient actions. So you have to know when to act and how, when to act quickly and when to be patient and do nothing. And both of those um, are, are very important concepts to learn and, and try to master. In, in lawsuits and in life, you're listening yes. to Be Bold America on KSQD 90.7 FM. Many voices, one station. Listen worldwide online at ksqd.org or catch up on programs by visiting the KSQD archives or from your favorite podcast platform. I'm your host, Jill Cody. And just to acknowledge our donors, uh, KSQD thanks the following recent donors who support our wonderful programs. Uh, we depend on all of you uh, to listen and to donate and to be part of our uh, KSQD family. And I want to thank uh, uh, Susan Bowes and Etta Tyler and Janie Gill and David Curry and Joe Palin and Stephen Principe and Donna Thompson, just to mention a few. You inspire us to give you our very best at 90.7 FM. May you also inspire others to donate on our website on ksqd.org. Today, our topic is suing Fox News, and we're speaking with Arthur West, whose nonprofit, Washington League for Increased Transparency and Ethics, sued Fox News over the network's coverage of the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, you know, one of the things I wanted to ask you, Arthur, too, is that um, one of the articles I read said that your attorney, uh, Catherine Clark, stated that there was there has never been a right to lie. There's never been a right to make a patent false statement, particularly on something like the pandemic. But a previous guest on this show, who's also a constitutional attorney, uh, Michelle Welsh, emailed me and she said, unfortunately or not, the U.S. Supreme Court has held that we do have the right to lie um, in U.S. versus Alvarez. Uh, so, you know, it, it seems that there aren't any things that protect the public from lies. Your thoughts on that? Well... 
the First Amendment uh, jurisprudence is very complicated, and there's a lot of, of hair splitting and technical details that go into it. Um, also, you know, attorneys don't always express exactly what you want them to express. Um, but the essence of this case isn't so much that they were lying, but that they were knowingly misrepresenting um, matters concerning a contagious um, uh, pandemic disease. And that um, draws the case away from U.S. versus Alvarez, very interesting case, was the Stolen Valor case where they talked about people misrepresenting whether or not they had received a, a medal. Um, and that was determined mostly on the basis that there was no harm shown by the state for to maintain a criminal charge. Um, in this case, the Consumer Protection Act, it doesn't carry criminal penalties. It is a, a civil, uh, uh, civil suit. And in, in contrast to Alvarez, the speech we're dealing with here, was not only false, but harmful. And there are a number of studies that have come out that, that underscore the fact that those listening to Fox News and, and Sean Hannity in particular um, were statistically less likely to take precautions and were, were um, more likely to engage in risky behaviors and didn't believe for at least a period of time that the coronavirus was dangerous. So, yes, um, under certain circumstances, you have a right to lie. And the First Amendment's a very broad, you know, um, provision of our Constitution, and all of us at Washlight support the First Amendment. And we, we don't wish to set a precedent that would allow it to be overturned or, or, or you know, or made into a tool for political vendettas. But under the very narrow circumstances where um, speech creates uh, either a, a clear and present danger of imminent physical harm or interferes with transmission of a, of a deadly disease or um, in the time of war, there are certain reasonable time, place, and manner restrictions that the state can impose in order to preserve the safety of its citizens. And that's what we believe, um, that was our belief in maintaining the case. Well, I did have a uh, question emailed to me, and I, I think we've answered it, but I just wanted to say, the, the person that emailed me said, why is it okay for Fox to lie about both COVID and climate change when both are equally lethal? How can they get away with it, given the consequences of life and property? and still call themselves news? And what about the exemption of, to First Amendment if the falsification causes public harm? Can you comment on that? Well, there's a difference between what's morally wrong <laughs> and what's, what's legally wrong. And um, I'm sure a lot of people, a lot of you know, liberal people believe that what Fox News is morally wrong. I certainly do. Um, but, you know, we do live in a society where people have a right to, to have viewpoints that are that can conflict with the orthodox opinion. And so we have people from all over the spectrum. The, um, the problem 
that I, that we have with Fox News isn't so much just that they are putting out, you know, disingenuous information. It's that they have a monopoly position in the cable market. Fox News is broadcast to over 90% of American households. It reaches over 200 million people a week. A, I think 40 to 60% of people over 60 have uh, Fox News as their primary or exclusive source of news. So Fox News is not just, you know, your average, your, your politician up on a soapbox or your neighborhood newspaper. Fox News is a monopoly player in a, in a um, very highly uh, restricted field of commercial cable uh, programmers. So their speech, um, in, in at least our view, is not the same as, as your a citizen speaking, because it's much harder to, to, um, to counter speak. The, the, the theory for one of the, one of our theories for the First Amendment is anyone should be free to say whatever they want, regardless of whether it's a lie, regardless of whether it's dangerous, because counter speech is the remedy for false and dangerous speech. So someone tells a, a falsehood, that gets exposed in the marketplace of ideas. And that's a, that's a great theory if we had a free market of ideas. But, you know, free market uh, economics is only so good as the free market. And one of the problems we have in today's society is that media is dominated by a few large players. And what with Fox News and social media, and then you have, you know, a prominent politician using Fox News pretty much as like, uh, you know, it's been compared to the Ministry of Truth, and then, you know, bouncing things back and forth from Fox News to his speeches to Twitter. Um, it becomes more than just ordinary speech, at least in our, in our view. Dominant media um, companies who, you know, who are in a dominant position on the new global uh, square, electronic square, uh, electronic town square, um, there ought to be some, some special rules for them because of their dominant media position and because of the disproportionate influence their false and harmful speech could cause. Mm. So it seems between the tweeting and the station and the uh, uh, Congress members and et cetera, that it really is a self-generating cycle of messaging. <laughs> One um, one begets the other, I guess. Um, also, Columbia University just recently released a study called The Pervasiveness Effect, the, um, effect of Fox News, that, that the, um, what people watching Fox News uh, reduces their propensity to stay, um, you know, that something like people are more... Uh, I'm trying to read here what I wrote. I'm sorry to say I, I can't read my own handwriting. But I think you've seen the um, uh, study. Is that right? The That they... Um, yeah, well, that gets back... Several points higher. Back right. Thank you. <laughs> the uh, um, effects of uh, our suit. And, you know, we were very careful to make sure before we filed the suit that we had meritorious claims 
and that we had a reasonable prospect of success because we didn't want to get into the point of just throwing stuff up at the court and seeing if it would stick. So we did a lot of research and a lot of case law um, reading before we did the suit. But it's not always necessary. With that being said, it's not always necessary to win in a conflict in order to create results. And one of the things that I think our suit precipitated, if nothing else, was a greater scrutiny of Fox News and its effects on its viewers. And there have been three studies, one from the University of Chicago, Mm. one from uh, Harvard, and then the most recent one you spoke to. And all of them associate um, Fox News uh, viewership with um, significant adverse effects in regard to the pandemic. Well, I also, and this is something people can Google, and because it's been over many years, I remember there there have been six studies, university studies, uh, regarding um, Fox News. And I think when the first one was done, people couldn't believe the results, so they replicated it and replicated it. And the, what they found out was is that people that watch Fox News um, are... Low net, uh, no less than people who don't watch news at all, meaning that they're not misinformed, they're malinformed, that they believe wrong things. Yeah, and that's one of the, the, the ironies of a free society and mm. the fact that we have such a respect for, for free speech in this country that it's okay to blast propaganda, you know, hateful, divisive propaganda that's harmful to people, you know, that's demonstratedly, it can be empirically demonstrated to be harmful. And that's one of the reasons why we, we decided to try to take on Fox News was if Fox News isn't a news source in the, in, in the way that people commonly understand news, Fox is a propaganda organ that's designed like the the propaganda machines in totalitarian and fascist countries to indoctrinate the population. Um, and there's, a, you know, some, some uh, times when they're not doing that, but largely Fox News in the cable form and the Fox and Friends acts for political purposes to, to put out a party line, and the close relation between Fox News and our present administration has been documented by a number of people, and there's a number of, of authors and um, articles that compare it to the Ministry of Truth in 1984, which spent all of its time remaking history and putting out false narratives, just like Fox did, does. So it's we pretty much live in a 1984-type society where we have uh, or large organizations whose entire uh, purpose for existing is falsifying history, falsifying the truth, and indoctrinating the people so that Big Brother can maintain control over them. Mm-hmm. You know, 1984 was not a, a, a fiction, it was a parable, and... To a certain extent, we live in that society now. Well, um, in reading Gabe Sherman's book, you know, it was, Fox News was never intended to be a news source. Um, yeah. <laughs> they used the word news uh, in their title, which is misleading. Uh, 
And then they had, if you remember, for years, the phrase fair and balanced. Um, but if you notice, they've dropped that. They don't really talk about being fair and balanced anymore, which I found very interesting. It just sort of went away. And then one day I was working out in my, um, um, my gym and, you know, the bank of television sets that are up there above the, uh, um, treadmills. I was just watching the banner underneath, uh, one of the shows and it said, um, fake news versus Fox news. And I thought that is a real subliminal message that anything else uh, you look at or watch is fake, and then it's Fox News. Yeah, well, that gets back to how this type of divisive propaganda, you know, divides our country. When I was growing up, there were Republicans and Democrats, and they had, you know, uh, political divisions, but everybody thought of themselves primarily as Americans first. Right. There wasn't this, you know... Uh, divide like we have today. Also, everybody watched the news, and there, the generally accepted facts were not in dispute. You know, pretty much everybody watched Walter Cronkite and trusted what he had to say. We don't have that anymore. We don't have a society where people think of themselves first as Americans and then second as Democrats or Republicans with a respect for the other side. We have very polarized camps of people with virtually mostly no respect for the other side and no continuity of objective reality to base their decisions on because of this whole propaganda, fake news slash right-wing news divide. And so we have a, a group of people on one side believing one set of facts and a group of people on the other side believing another set of facts. And the, the unity of purpose that America used to have that made America such a great place is something we're very, very much in danger of losing. Uh, you, uh, and I want to get back to that after this uh, break. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Be Bold America on KSQD 90.7 FM. Our topic is suing Fox News, and we're speaking with Arthur West with the Washington League for Increased Transparency and Ethics. I'm your host, Jill Cody. Tune in to KSQD this Sunday for State of Mind, hosted by Santa Cruz-licensed psychotherapist Deborah Sloss. Deborah's guests are college student Elena Shane and Santa Cruz psychologist Sheila Siegel. They'll discuss the increasing prevalence of anxiety disorders in teens and young adults. Elena courageously shares her story of navigating severe anxiety since she was a young child, her placement in a residential treatment program at age 10, and how, together with her family, she developed skills to better navigate her life. Elena also discusses how her psychiatric service dog, Tucker, has helped her cope. Dr. Siegel helps us understand teen anxiety symptoms, shares tips from clients, and offers resources. We also discuss the impacts the coronavirus pandemic is having on teens with pre-existing anxiety conditions. This is part one of a two-part series on teens with anxiety. Join us for State of Mind Sunday evening at 6 o'clock here on KSQD 90.7 FM and KSQD.org. Now, back to our bold and impressive guest, Arthur West. You know, Arthur, I wanted to just pick up where we left off because 
uh, one of the purposes of this radio program is to um, talk about the actions necessary to reunite this country and save our democracy. And it seems to me that we've got to get back to thinking of ourselves as American first, Americans first, to save our democracy. I mean, the phrase divide and conquer, if we're divided, uh, we're going to lose um, something that's very uh, unique to the world. And I do remember many years ago that there was a firewall between the news and the rest of the television station, or the news and the rest of the radio station, that that the um, the news wasn't to be monetized. And that firewall uh, broke down somewhere along the line, and now news has, has to be monetized, it has to make money, uh, and I think it gets more impacted by advertising and sponsorships and corporate board agendas. Do you have any um, um, ideas on that? I, I'm not sure. that The problem with our modern media and our modern electronic social communication systems is false information spreads even more quickly mm-hmm. than true information. Mm-hmm. For some reason, people are more likely to, to convey it. And as the, the uh, head of the UN um, observed, we were not only suffering a, a pandemic; we're, we were suff- we are suffering from an infodemic. You know, we're, we have a virulent disease um, in our information stream. I'm not sure. You know, I don't have the solutions. I I just see that in you know the last 40 years, there's been a market change between how people view the world and the fact that instead of having one narrative in the news, now we have basically two competing narratives. One, you have your CNN and your liberal news, and then you've got your Fox News and Breitbart and OAN and and those. And the, the uh, Fox News itself has been at the forefront of saying all other news is fake. And they, you know, to my viewpoint, at least, the stuff that the Fox puts out is not very well based, in fact. And it's propaganda, and the, the type of people listening to it, once, once they hear it and see it on TV enough times, you can't get it out of their minds. And the, the real irony of uh, our whole class structure right now is most of the people who are getting hurt the worst by... The, the way things are now are the are the most steadfast supporters of the status quo. You know, it's the poor, uneducated white people in mid America who most strongly support Donald Trump and the, the existing capitalist system. They're the ones who are getting hurt the worst. <laughs> They're the ones who don't have secure jobs. They don't have health care. Um, their kids can't go to college without amassing so much debt, they'll be financially crippled for life. Um, these are the people who, you know, in a rational society would be the ones out there protesting. Um, so it's, it is very puzzling to me how we've come to this point, and I know that it, it's wrong. I don't have any real solutions, I think. People should get more involved. They should get more involved with 
Uh, they should vote. They should participate in their lawmaking process. They should go out and join the demonstrations if they if they want to. Um, uh, at this point, I think that um, the large volume of demonstrations that have been going on is larger than I've ever seen, and I lived through the 60s. So it's 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 uh, an amazing time we're going through, and I think people should do what they can and act not out of their own personal best interest, but try to try to act in a disinterested manner to do what's right. Um, and I think that's another thing that's lost. People get all, you know, in our society, in our politics today, it's um, all about what they, what's in it for me. Uh, people lost the idea that we're part of a bigger society. We need to have compassion for everyone in our society, and we need to act in everyone's best interest. And if you start thinking about it that way, you know, barriers to universal health care, um, the thought about, you know, whether we should have armed people going around with the ability to kill people virtually at whim, none of that is supported by that type of thinking. So, uh, you know, the, the, the problem I see a lot of is that we've allowed psychopaths and people without any compassion or any actual humanity to to lead our society, and that's a, something that we need to change. Um, Arthur, let me do just one uh, housekeeping uh, issue in that sometimes your phone sounds like you're underwater uh, or making a, a clicking sound, so I don't know what connection you have. or uh, So I just wanted to let you know that, that occasionally, if you've got a, a line to what you're talking to, maybe it's not... Um, clicked in tightly enough, so I just wanted to let you know we can still hear you, but it's it does sound um, a little bit underwater for some reason. Well, I'm sorry, there's a, a storm going on. There's oh, that might be part of it. Oh, I'll up move in, into the other room. Up in Washington, you're having a storm. Actually, it's 70 degrees here in Santa Cruz, and <laughs> doing a weather report. Um, so that may be it. That might be having some effect on your phone. Uh, well, one thing you were talking about, you know, the people that should be out in, uh, protesting, and they're the very people that that are watching Fox News. I I do want to share with you and um, others that. There's a wonderful documentary out called Brain, The Brainwashing of My Dad. And um, I think it's free on Prime Video. And The Brainwashing of My Dad follows, it's done by a daughter who knew her father as very loving and caring and, um, and not prejudicial at all. Uh, and then he started a job where he was driving in a car for a long time and got connected into right-wing um, radio programs, which connected him to Fox News. And he just changed, completely changed as a human being. And And her mother was worried about it, and she was worried about it so much that she started a GoFundMe account to create this documentary. And, um, uh, and she documents exactly what her childhood was like and what he her father was like until Fox News. And the monetizing of conflict and the, and the monetizing of grievance and the monetizing of victimhood, these are things that keep eyeballs attached uh, to the uh, radio waves or the, or the um, uh, 
television station network. And uh, so he became more uh, full of grievances and, and felt more of a victim. And what was interesting is how they resolved it. And I'll, I'll uh, say that it has a happy ending because how they resolved it was they moved and the mother and the daughter um, uh, just told him they couldn't get Fox News at the new house. <laughs> it, that it just wasn't offered. They couldn't get Fox News. And the um, the wife went into his computer <laughs> and cleaned out the Fox News right-wing um, websites and all of that. And um, miraculously and very happily for his wife and daughter, he returned to the nice, wonderful man that he had been. And I just, I just recommend people watch this documentary because uh, it, it is fascinating the grip uh, that um, that Fox News can have on people. Yeah, well, if you look at you know the reasons why the Weimar Republic fell, fell, and why the Nazis took over, it wasn't by accident. There were economic problems, but there were some very, you know. Uh, major league propagandists, you know, Adolf Hitler and Joseph Goebbels were the probably preeminent propagandists of our age. And uh, if you look at the playbook that Fox uses, uh, Joseph Goebbels could be running Fox News very easily, would have no problem working at Fox News. But all of the principles of the big lie, keeping things simple, repeating them over and over, those are all. Those were not a new new creation. Those were um, pioneered by Adolf Hitler and Joseph Goebbels uh, in the Nazi takeover of the of the Weimar Republic, and that's one of the reasons why this type of propaganda is so divisive and so poisonous to democracy. And um, if you look at Germany now to this day. Germany does not allow the display of Nazi symbols. It has very restrictive laws on that. And we can't do that here in America because of the First Amendment, and maybe we shouldn't have to. But I think somewhere short of that, there, there should be some type of restriction that prevents dominant media cable companies from, you know, spreading this type of poison especially when it can be shown to have had harmful and potentially fatal effects upon its listeners. So that's pretty much why we got involved in this. And, yes, people's grandfathers are being indoctrinated and turned into um, fanatics, you know, zealots who hate the liberals and, you know, you get this divisive hatred of, of the other side. That's all straight out of the Nazi playbook. Mm -hmm. You have to have the, the other side has to be evil. You have to be the victim. Um, your, your, your problems are all caused by this evil group, and government should take, take action to eradicate or, you know, or deal with them. And none of the stuff that the Trump administration or Fox News practices is novel. If you look at the, the propaganda machine of the Third Reich, it all comes out of their playbook. And that's the really dangerous and frightening thing about the Trump administration and its uh, relationship to Fox News and the ability of Fox News to 
you reach into 90% of American households, just like the television sets in 1984. The, you know, it's no accident that in George Orwell's novel, Big Brother spoke to everyone every day through the television set. It's an omnipresent media. It has a capacity to control thought like nothing else before it. And these dominant cable companies are using it to just blast out this, you know, wall of disinformation and fake news that is so omnipresent, it just by interference crowds out the truth and, you know, the, 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 the continuity of information that's necessary for a united society. Well, we've given some homework here to read Gabe Sherman's book on the loudest voice in the room and a documentary on brainwashing my dad, and then to reread if you haven't read it uh, for a long time, the 1984. Um, you're listening to Be Bold America on KSQD 90.7 FM, Many Voices, One Station. Listen worldwide online at ksqd.org. Hi, I'm Tom Hartman, your host for Progressive Talk on K-Squid, 90.7 FM, community radio for the Central Coast, 4 p.m. weekdays. KSQD is a vital media resource for listeners in Santa Cruz and Monterey counties and worldwide on the web. Please help support this station by making a contribution to keep the station thriving. Go to ksqd.org and give what you can to help keep shows like mine coming to you daily at 90.7 FM. You know, with six large corporations owning most of the media, it's essential that listeners support grassroots, locally-run radio stations like KSQD. Community radio is responsive to its listeners and isn't afraid to challenge the status quo. Please join me, Tom Hartman, in supporting K-Squid, 90.7 FM, community radio for the Central Coast, by making your pledge today online at ksqd.org. That's 90.7 FM, K-Squid. Catch me right here at 4 o'clock this afternoon. Thank you, and tag your it. We're back, and the topic we're discussing today is suing Fox News, and we're speaking with Arthur West, whose organization, Washlight, sued Fox News and is going to appeal. I'm your host, Jill Cody. And, um, Arthur, you were talking, uh, uh, when we were talking earlier before the show, you were mentioning uh, about a recent decision of the Ninth Circuit and the Supreme Court in the Pentecostal Church case, and that was encouraging to you for your appeal. Surprisingly, the Ninth Circuit um, issued a ruling that quoted some of the very case law that we had, we had cited previously. Um, the case came before the court on a challenge to restrictions from the uh, governor of California on assembly, and uh, it was it, the challenge was a free exercise of religion challenge, which is under the First Amendment because the First Amendment protects not only speech but four other rights as well. One of them being the free exercise of religion. And in that case, the Ninth Circuit ruled that where state action does not infringe upon or restrict practices because of their religious motivation and does not in a selective manner impose burdens only on conduct motivated by religious belief, it does not violate the First Amendment. 
And it said, we are dealing here with a highly contagious and often fatal disease for which there is presently no known cure. In the words of Justice Robert Jackson, if a court does not temper its doctrinaire logic with a little practical wisdom, it will convert the Constitutional Bill of Rights into a suicide pact. They cited to Terminello versus City of Chicago. And that... Um, Determination was recently upheld um, by the Supreme Court by Justice Roberts um, writing a concurrence with the four liberal justices of the Supreme Court um, talking about the the ability of states to um, regulate in areas of uh, and take action in areas of uh, where the citizens were presented with grave harm and that federal court shouldn't interfere with that. We think that that at least those rulings stand for the proposition that in times of a pandemic, the rules are a little bit different, and that whereas freedom of speech is a a fundamental American uh, uh, right, when it comes to stating false information or broadcasting false, false information, through a dominant media source that can and does have significant adverse effects upon the populace, um, there's a little bit of room to regulate that. Um, now, how I had another um, listener who was also a guest on this program uh, uh, last year talking about prior restraint, which is unconstitutional under the First Amendment. Well, prior restraints are very hard to sustain, and there, there is no absolute constitutional right to do anything. Um, you, you know, the, the example in Shank was you can't go into a, a, a theater and yell fire. That's not protected. You can't go and tell someone you're going to kill them. Your First Amendment rights are, are subject to reasonable restrictions. In fact, all of our our fundamental rights are subject to reasonable restrictions of society necessary to preserve civil society. So uh, there, there is no absolute constitutional right. But um, the, uh, there are, uh, and, and what it comes down to is whether what type of scrutiny is applied and what level of state interest is necessary and how broad and how content neutral the restriction is. And there are several levels of scrutiny. Now, in this case, we're not talking about prior restraints. We're talking about post-speech actions because they already said it. A prior restraint um, prevents information from coming into the marketplace before it's been placed in the marketplace. What we're talking about in this suit mainly is... uh, um, post-speech actions, which is after you speak, um, what happens. And there's never been the the doctrine of prior restraint, uh, and there's a good essay on that by uh, Professor Emerson, uh, talks about keeping stuff entirely out of the, the, the discussion. Whereas what we're talking about is dealing with something that not only has been in, in before the public, but it's been before the public repeatedly uh, as a result of a monopoly cable content provider. So the, the prior restraint 
doesn't really figure into this case because we're talking about post-speech um, activities. Ah, well, in, in these the la- in these last few minutes, um, uh, can you tell our listeners uh, what people can keep doing, stop doing, and start doing regarding your lawsuit, regarding Fox News? Any ideas of what of activities that we can do to make it better? Well, one of the things that I would I would ask people to do is you know form their own organizations and become their own autonomous organizations and start doing things themselves. Um, one of the, the the beauties of our group is that we don't really need any help. You know, we we formed a small organization, we plotted it out fairly fairly well, and um, that's what you know people should be working themselves to do something, and even a small action is better than nothing. Um, you know, the, you could send postcards to, to our president at uh, his new address at 1600 Black Lives Matter Plaza. <laughs> <laughs> um, you could, if you're healthy, you've got a mask, it's, you're outside, you, you, you feel secure, uh, go out and... Uh, Join in to some of these peaceful protests. Make sure that you, you act in a peaceful and, and respectful manner. Um, if that's what you want to do, go do that. Um, I would, uh, you know, support independent media is is a key thing because in this conflict, we we we've, we've had the support of a number of small media sources, and those are it's indispensable for anyone doing any form of real activism to get media coverage and without small media the large media can freeze out whatever they don't want to cover well go ahead go ahead so small media is small local media organizations are essential um to our democracy and people ought to support them we we should i i would ask people to look at their local um, state organization that regulates cable television, maybe go to some meetings and see about if there can be something done to have better regulation of monopoly cable providers such as Fox that provides cable content to AT&T and Comcast and your cable providers because right now you buy cable, at least in this state, and it's like that many other places, when you buy a cable subscription, you automatically get Fox News. You can't opt out of it. And um, why is that? Mm-hmm. Why is it that in when I contract with AT&T or Comcast uh, and pay them $100 a month to get cable, why do I have to get Fox News for that? Why is Fox News the dominant cable um, company in, in our society? How did that come to, to pass? And is that necessarily a good thing? You know, the short of shutting them down, there could be, re- you know, or, or, you know, proscribing their message, there could be reasonable time, place, and manner restrictions placed upon dominant um, uh, monopoly cable providers that would make it much more difficult for Fox to spread its poisonous uh, uh, propaganda so widely. And um, those, the, all of these things I think people should look at uh, and we should be very more, you know, be careful of what reality you're buying into. 
you know, is it look for a number of sources, don't rely on one source of media, uh, look to international media. You know, you want to read just to get the truth. You need to read, you need to look at what the other countries are saying because um, not always in America is any of the media correct or entirely correct. So um, I don't know. The, you know, people need to make their own decisions, but I would say get together, work with small groups, um, form small, small groups that can be effective. Not everybody has the same skills. Um, you know, get together with a few people that you trust and do something. Um, it's any large organization can be infiltrated. If you get more than a dozen people in a room, there's probably someone there reporting back about what's going on in any activist organization and probably maybe more than one. So, you know, the best, the best organizations are small, three to five people, and then you can associate with other groups. But if you want to get something done, any more than five people in a group is, is pretty much unworkable in my view. And it's very hard for, the, for anyone to repress people who have small autonomous activities. You can't tell what a small group's going to do. It's very difficult to watch a bunch of small groups, and you can, they can easily get together and, and work in harmony and yet maintain their autonomy. So that would be, rather than having large groups that can be infiltrated and bought off, I would, I would suggest that people get together with their friends and see what they can do in an autonomous and self-sustaining manner. Well, I had a... Uh, we only have... What? I had a friend of, a pro, of the program, uh, Professor... Rick Nolthenius from the, uh, uh, he's a professor of astronomy and climate at Cabrillo College, and he suggested an idea uh, um, that I thought was fascinating. Um, he said, what the country needs is a scientist-staffed, scientist-peer, selected, publicly tax-supported independent agency outside the political process whose sole duty is to fact-check any statements made by politicians, complete with links and references to back up the fact-checking, much like a peer-reviewed scientific papers are. It requires staffing and funding level to turn information around almost immediately. And he's got a, um, uh, you know, a uh, information and a PowerPoint on if you Google community uh, Rio College Astro Seven, I want to thank Be Bold America's engineer Emily Dunham and a huge thank you to our bold guest uh, Arthur West. Thank you, Arthur, very much. What an example of being bold you are, and so is Washlight. Uh, next on Be Bold America, we'll be reuniting a dystopian America. Don't miss reuniting a dystopian America on Sunday, June twenty-first at five p.m. Uh, Thank you very much for listening, and keep stop start. <laughs>